Welcome to The Secret Life of Parkinson's, a podcast trying to break the barriers and stigma around PD to lessen the fear. It's a disease no one likes to talk about. When people hear Parkinson's, they're afraid, even if they don't know exactly what it is. This podcast is led by Parkinson's patients talking about their daily life with PD. I'm your host, Jessica Krauser. Hi, and welcome back to The Secret Life of Parkinson's. I'm Jessica Krauser, and I am joined again by Melissa Carlson. Hi. Hi. I promise you guys, Brian Baker is coming back. We just Mm -hmm. happened to, we record a lot of shows all on one day, and it happens to be the day that he's still getting his DBS clinical trial test thing done. He doesn't know what's happening, but he's not here. He's not here again. So here I am. Here's Melissa. um, And we have a special guest joining us. It's my friend from Florida, sunny Florida. Um, Matches her personality. Yes, you can say hello. Hello. Okay. I was like, can you hear us? (laughs) Um, And you uh, are a young onset Parkinson's patient just like me and was diagnosed, I think, the same year, right? 2019? Even close to the same month. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, we found each other, you know, on the new day and age, social media. Um, And our, our lives, our stories, you know, seemed very similar, but there was... Um, you know, one difference, or at least a difference that we know of right now, and that's our topic today, is we're going to talk about uh, not genetic testing, but just the genetic issue, the the genetic side of Parkinson's in general. So as of right now, I'm not aware, but I haven't had anything tested. Um, But I'm not aware if I have any uh, genetic, what do you call them? Genetic Markers? Mutations? Markers, mutations, variances. uh, Yeah. But so, but you have gone through the testing. So wanted to see uh if you would share and talk us, talk to us about why you got it and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Um, So I guess the story kind of begins with um, my mom. Uh, My mom came to the United States from Bolivia in her late 20s and um, moved here with a few cousins of hers and settled down in New York and um, ended up meeting my dad in New York City and ended up getting married in, I think, 1977. I came along a year later in 78 and um, my sister came along in 1981. Mm -hmm. So happy little family. And few years after my sister was born, um, my mom started noticing some pain in one of her arms and went around to a few different doctors. They couldn't figure out what was going on. Eventually, it led her to a neurologist in New York City. And my dad tells the story that she walked into his office and within minutes, he diagnosed her with Parkinson's disease, which I think was a blow um, you know, to them as a young uh, family and just how old kind was of she? changed. Sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say how old she was? No, um, I I want to say she was around 41, mm. 42. And, and this was well before like the Michael J. Fox awareness oh, yeah. aspect of it. So did they even ever hear of it at that point? No, I don't think you know either of my parents knew what Parkinson's was. Um, and th- this was back in the early 80s. So mm-hmm. 
they were just very unprepared for for dealing with it um uh, you know she went on medicine i think right away mm-hmm. uh, i was five when she was diagnosed okay so you know my earliest memories are of her um you know with a tremor and some slowness and mm-hmm. rigidity um but as a kid you don't really look at it as you know i but she I was mom, that she had, right she's mom yeah exactly <laughs> i treated her the same as you know i i loved her and when i was a teenager i became difficult just as difficult <laughs> as yeah you know? um but we definitely had some things that were different growing up so my grandmother um who was living in bolivia at the time when my mom was diagnosed she actually moved to the states to help take care of my mom so i grew up with a i mean kind of bonus for me yeah i grew up with my my house starting at age five Mm -hmm. um and she's the reason that i speak spanish to to this day oh nice because i had she didn't you know had to, you had to talk to her <laughs> I had to talk with this other adult that was all of a sudden living in my house I'm like, okay i guess i i'm gonna learn spanish so you know there were definitely some some wonderful things that came out of that mm-hmm. uh, so that was uh my grandmother actually lived with us in the house until 2006 when my mom passed away oh wow so just in- incredible devotion to you know her daughter mm. um and my my grandmother just passed away two less than two years ago at the age Aww. of 96. So. oh wow raised so by my mother and my grandmother which is just yeah. an incredible testament to you know the, the love mm-hmm. that mothers can give um, absolutely so yeah my mom you know kind of had a i think fairly slow progression mm-hmm. 22 years living living with the disease and eventually her her body got so frail that it was pneumonia that um you know kind of got her at the end but and you said she was hard. on you said she was on medication um did that was there it was still carbidopa levodopa back then wasn't it yeah so i mean <laughs> i knew i knew what cinemet was when i was like six years old oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, what about so, like exercising? Did the did she know about that? Was that a thing back then? You know, I think there was just very preliminary evidence about exercise. Um, I found one picture of her on an exercise bike. Mm-hmm. I think that picture may have been the one and only time she was on that exercise. Bike. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's funny what you say, like with, you know, exercising and, and what things looked like back then. But I know you also shared, at least with me, um, some pictures of of things that you did in your childhood of like traveling. And I know it was going to see family, but, you know, talk about that. Like she, you know, she had this disease and kids to deal with, but I don't think that let her stop. No, looking back at, you know, pictures of my childhood, I realized just how many different places we went as a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, so my mom had this obsession with Disney World. Oh. And I feel like we have at least three or four different sets of pictures from different visit visits to Disney World. And having grown up in, you know, at least the first part of my life in New York, I mean, traveling down to Florida, several, you know, for to go to Walt Disney World must have been quite quite the uh, 
quite the uh, yeah, undertaking yeah. for that. Did you yeah. guys drive? I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't remember driving. We must have flown. But even still, yeah. that's a, yeah. yeah. Even still, yeah. She my, So my mom was, um, I mean, she moved here to the U.S. from Bolivia. So she had an adventurous spirit. Yeah. Mm. And then my dad growing up in, you know, he was born in Switzerland. We traveled to both Bolivia and Switzerland growing up and then traveled all over the the United States, um, all the way to Grand, Grand Canyon wow. and California and Maine and just covered all kinds of that's great <laughs> now do you yeah. do you still travel like yeah yourself I, okay i i think they they must have um you know i definitely got given that to by you. the bug early <laughs> that's really like i need thing. that i know i'm like i've been i feel like i haven't been anywhere but so let's talk yeah. let's talk a little bit about about you and you were um when you were diagnosed and uh yeah. and what that so is about so my mom passed away in 2006 and I was always told that this is Parkinson's is not a genetic disease. So even though there was always this little, you know, bit of doubt in the back of my mind, mm -hmm. I was like, phew, okay, at least I don't have to worry about that. But then come 2013, 2014 timeframe, I start noticing some, some things that just don't add up, you know, with my health. Um, mm -hmm. I start to notice like a twitching in my leg that um, I kind of explain away with, oh, it must be, you know, just I'm overexerting myself at the gym. I had taught some classes at the gym. Um, so that wasn't quite adding up. Um, I took some magnesium supplements and mm -hmm. the twitching kind of went away. Um, I also started losing my smell. Mm. Oh, did you? I did. That was probably one of the strangest um, symptoms. And even back then, I don't think there was a very strong link between Parkinson's and mm -hmm. smell. So, so you still don't I have it? Uh, so it kind of comes and goes, depends really? on, um, I'd say my stress level. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but back then, it just, it went from like, I used to have super smell, my husband, <laughs> used to say like I could smell them from a mile away <laughs> and it just changed and I went to the doctor about it and he you know sent me to a, a specialist an ENT specialist and they looked at up my nose everything and they said you're normal <laughs> and I was like well why can't I smell though I, mm. I just didn't understand it yeah uh, I was also going through a pretty stressful time um, my husband is active duty military and he was about to go away for training for two months and that left me with moving our household and mm -hmm. pets and kids all all by myself which I was not looking forward to so there was definitely a little bit of stress yeah in that wasn't yeah wasn't there previously yeah um so once we moved this was our our last the last move that we we did but moved here to Florida and my body just kind of crashed when we moved here. Oh. So kind of took some time for myself, gave my body the rest that it needed and kind of worked on stress management mm -hmm. and went to see some, um, a functional medicine doctor who kind of got some of my hormones in, in check. And I felt great after a year. 
um, so great that I started working, which I thought was, you know, I had taken seven years off from engineering and mm -hmm. I was super excited to be in an area where I could kind of restart my career and um, get get a job, yeah. which as a military spouse is not always, you know, you're not always moving to places where there's a ton of jobs. So. Yeah. I was excited about that. And then um, everything seemed to be going well for a few years. And then um, I injured my shoulder at the gym, working out, lifting weights. And it was one of those injuries that just kind of was a little you know, relentless. It just wouldn't heal. So I went through a round of physical therapy that never really helped out. So mm -hmm. I gave up on that, um, went to a workout class a few months later and i realized i couldn't do a side plank on that on that arm mm -hmm. yeah, it just was so weak and so i went decided to go back for another round of uh, physical therapy and during that time frame i was i was working and typing on my computer and realized that all of a sudden <laughs> typing with my left hand mm -hmm. just was so hard you know it's like i had to really concentrate on moving each individual finger mm -hmm. and tying my shoes to go to the gym in the morning. I was like, why is this so hard? Yeah. <laughs> I learned how to do this, you know, as a kid and why am I really having to concentrate? <laughs> and then I noticed when I was, um, when I would go for runs that I was having to concentrate on my arm swing, which is something that I've never, mm -hmm. never had to think about before. And it started worrying me, um, at the same time, my husband was, um, we we ended up finding out that he was going to deploy for a year mm. uh, to Afghanistan. And wow. that was, wow. yeah, really, really stressful for us. So we found out in January of 2019 mm. that he was going to deploy for a year in starting in late April. And the stress of that news just it i developed some tremors mm -hmm. and that's when i remember looking down at my hand one day and i was and i saw my mom's hand yeah and i was like i i it all makes sense now i i know what this is so um, so any of the other symptoms that you had before then did you again, because you were a kid, you know, growing up, did you notice or not notice your mom having those symptoms? And, or did you like, I didn't, it I didn't really talk, to, I didn't really talk to her about it. And, you know, there's so many things I wish I could have asked. Yeah. I mean, you know, so many things that you, you wish Absolutely. you could have asked your mom, you know, after, after she's gone. But, yeah. um, you know, and my dad wasn't necessarily the, um, he didn't communicate all the, all of these things to mm -hmm. us. And so the lens that he saw everything through was a little different than I think my grandmother who cared for my mom, um, saw things through. Mm -hmm. And so I, I also thought about this. English was my mom's second language. So communicating all of her symptoms, I can only imagine was so much more difficult, oh, wow. um, even to doctors, you know, mm -hmm. if you could just imagine, I mean, it's hard enough to describe things in English when it's your first language. Or for Sometimes. her to understand what they are saying to her, because mm -hmm. we don't, I don't even understand some of the things that they say to me. I'm like, you know, right. I'm looking stuff up. So I can't imagine what it was like for her listening to, 
bradykinesia, dyskinesia, dystonia, like. Right. There's this whole new vocabulary that you have to learn almost. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember. I don't I don't know if she had loss of smell. Mm -hmm. Um, As a kid, I did notice, you know, her rigidity, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that I've always had. And I just thought it was because I worked out, you know, my Mm -hmm. shoulders are always tight and certain muscles would always kind of cramp up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought it was cause I was active and, and always working out and lifting weights. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't until after my diagnosis that I kind of said, well, maybe there was something else to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we know that there's a whole long list of, of genes, um, that, you know, people could get tested for, and there's uh, many ways in which they can do that can, you know, including the 23andMe, PD generation, you know, I think talking to a genetic specialist is definitely important if, if anybody out there is going to do that. But aside from from the, the genetics of it, whether you have it or not, I think you have a very um, interesting perspective. Um, you know, you had, uh, you grew up with your, your mom having it. And so you saw what she, she did from, there were good things that she did. You know, she didn't stop living. You guys continued to travel. And, you know, she was active from her standpoint, but now there's even more things that we've learned. So how do you take that into account of what you saw and how you're living your life now with Parkinson's? So, you know, I've definitely had a lot of time to reflect on her life with the disease, Um, you know, especially after I was diagnosed. the first thing that my MDS told me about was the benefits of exercise. Mm -hmm. So looking back at my mom and kind of her general lack of exercise, you know, she didn't, my dad was the runner, you know, it wasn't, I got my exercise. He still runs to this day. He's in his seventies. Oh, wow. Good for him. Just incredible. You know, I mean, he's like the, the man that won't stop. (laughs) Uh, Uh, So, but she would just stand on the sidelines, you know, watch a race or Mm -hmm. um, stay home. And, you know, my my grandmother would stay with her. And so I really, I saw that exercise as one way that I could really kind of change the course Mm -hmm. of my disease and my life with the disease. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that I had, I did have that foundation um, of exercise. My dad got me into running when I was a teenager. Um, so I did have that baseline, you know, uh, exercise background that, and I, I really enjoyed it and loved it. So that's one way that I'm combating the disease. And then what about nutrition? You talk about that a lot. I mean, when I, when I first met you, I was like, I knew you were a healthy individual, but like, man, like you, (laughs) you might, you might be short, but you are mighty. And it has to do with your strength of exercising, but you also eat, like I, I hate when I'm like sitting around, I'm like eating hamburger and she's like a salad, but you, so, you eat yeah, very well too. And that's good. Like we're supposed to have a, a healthy nutritious diet for various reasons of inflammation, right? Gut health. Yeah, absolutely. So my mom did, um, through her course of disease, did consult with some nutritionists. And oh, okay. so I do remember as a child, having someone come into our house and like pretty much take everything that I wanted to eat and threw it in the garbage. <laughs> and my mom was like, this is for my health. And I was like, 
okay. okay. So I fought it back then, but I think she kind of laid the groundwork for my interest in like healthy eating, Yeah, you know, and maybe I wasn't the best in my twenties when I was out on my own, Mm -hmm. but it was, the seed was planted for sure. Yeah. Um, and then living in a few different places. I, I lived in um, just south of Los Angeles when I was in my mid twenties, and just having access to like all the fresh food that's grown there mm-hmm. really got me into kind of some more organic, um, you know, vegetables and things like that. And it's it's been a journey through the years, just kind of refining our diet. And it's it's interesting when you see pictures of my husband and me. Um, from our early twenties to now we're in our mid forties and we look better now than oh, we did in our early twenties. And just the, you know, my husband got his um, blood panels done the other day and just the doctors are always like, what do you eat? Because you have the body of a 20 year old. Oh, know? wow. Man, and Derek would same, love that. <laughs> same, same with me, you know, on the inside, on paper, I look like a 20 year old. Mm, yeah. Um, just my body i'm fighting fighting this disease yeah yeah so well you're but you're fighting, doing a great job you are you're you're fighting a tooth and nail and the other thing that the last thing i wanted to mention that i think is really important and um not that it gets overlooked i think by people in in the, our community but i feel like it's not as widely discussed just yet um is the uh, aspect of community or socializing and it's not yeah. just having that with you know your uh, immediate family or like really close friends, but a circle of people that are are like minded, they're like you and what you're you're dealing with. And you talked about um, before how you guys moved and your mom didn't have that access, right? Of, uh, of a so community. When we when we lived in New York, um, there were several family members. Um, a sister of hers, several nieces and nephews that ended up moving from Bolivia to live with us and not with us, with uh, us, but you know, nearby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we would have family get togethers. Um, I mean, it, if anybody knows the Hispanic community, I mean, we're huge, huge on family and Sunday afternoons were like just open house at our, you know, at our, our mm-hmm. house, just come on over, watch foot, um, soccer. Yeah. <laughs> football. Yeah. Watch soccer, soccer and, you know, and just eat. hang out. And eat. Yeah. <laughs> eat. yeah. Eat a good soup or, you know, whatever the Bolivian um, food of the day was going to be. Uh-huh. So we had that. And then I think it was 1990. So I was 10 or 11 when my dad's company moved from New York to North Carolina and we were going to be moving with. And so our whole family picked up and moved to North Carolina. And my mom had all of a sudden went from having family, you know, and not just friends, but family, family, Mm -hmm. and then moved somewhere where she knew nobody. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, talk about just being uprooted from your community. So I I look back on that now and think that her disease trajectory really changed when when we moved. Um, so reflecting on that for my life, you know, there's there's only so much that I have control of with mm-hmm. having a husband in the military. But we we do have lots of friends um, in this in this area, and so I've really connected with them. But mm-hmm. then um, Jessica, when I saw 
a video on Instagram of you talking, just being very vulnerable and talking yeah. about your, uh, the reason why you fundraise for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. I knew like, I need to reach out to her because she is just like me, you know, we have very similar stories. And I was just, that was the one thing that was really missing. I don't have a community where I live of Parkinson's um, patients let alone, you know, young onset. Yeah, I was really searching for that. And so I reached out to you and um, I've been so I just feel so blessed to have found the the little group that we I know. that we found because I just you guys get it. You know, we text back and forth just like, oh, hey, I have this going on, mm-hmm. you know, this yeah. and this. Lens. And so I finally feel like I have you know, community and Melissa, you know, working out with you guys online, even that, uh, just having a group workout that with, with people that understand what you're going through, you like, oh, my meds aren't working quite well, you know, I'm a little slow this morning, or mm-hmm. I mean, you, you understand the ins and outs of this disease. Mm-hmm. So that has been um, just an amazing game changer in my life. But I, I think, and I, I just, I, like I might cry for the second time in one week. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it, it is amazing to see how one individual can change their life because it's not anybody who, you know, came knocking on your door to say this is what you need to do or this is what you need to join. You, you know, again, like I, I just put myself out there, but you reached out, mm-hmm. and so it's because of you that we started this, you know, little group of young onset women. And it's grown to now 16 people, but you know, it's, it's, it's going to continue to grow. I think the idea of what we started, and I know there's little groups like this all over, and I think that's, that's awesome. And it's, we don't have to all be in the same group. Everybody is, yeah, it's like everybody, everybody thinks differently. You know, we're all, we're all a certain age. We all have kids. We're all working or recently retired. And it's like, that makes sense for us. And so like my biggest push is always telling people like, you know, just like if you, when you played sports, you, you're doing it because it's something you love, but then these other people love it and then they become your friends and mm-hmm. like a sorority. I don't know. I hate to compare it to that, but it's like, <laughs> it, it is like that camaraderie. And, and, uh, and like you said, we get to help each other. And I feel that, you know, with, with your mom and like, even, you know, my parents' generation, that's not something that they were necessarily, I feel like it wasn't normal or taught for them to do of of talking about things that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. It's almost like shy away from it, hide it, mm-hmm. because right. you don't need that to be anybody else's problem. But it's like actually, right. it's like a lot of people's problem, right. you know. I very much hush, you know, and that's part of the reason why I, I talk about it because I, it shouldn't be hush hush. You know, this is something very difficult that we're all dealing with, mm-hmm. and if we don't reach out to other people that are going through the same thing, I mean it's it's not going to be it's not going to end well you know we need that community yeah absolutely oh this is it's so it's so amazing talking to you i like just have such respect for you and what you have seen in your past and what you're making it of of your future and you know again just those key things of exercise nutrition community but then also i mean even family like you know if 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 your mom wasn't open about it with you and you never knew or, you know, how much would you have been able to accept or grow from what you've been able to do now? You know, mm-hmm. it's like just, you know, I think you mentioned it before. It's like PD is not, um, 
it doesn't affect just you, right? Like you right. talked about, it affects your family and it affects, you know, generations of family. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. That's my big takeaway is that, you know, PD really affects more than just the individual. You know, we've heard it affects families, but in my case, I mean, it can affect generations, mm -hmm. which the word just needs to get out there. Um, and my biggest um, advice is if you are, you know, curious if there is a potential link um, to, to talk to a genetic counselor mm -hmm. because they can walk you through uh, what your individual risk is for a genetic link to PD and they can um, counsel you through that and just talk you through some of the decisions whether to go forth with genetic testing like I did. I think that's a really good uh, way to, to close this out because that, that's one thing that you told me. Um, I was going to do the PD generation and I probably still should have because I didn't realize what you sign up for is just to understand the gene and they don't have to tell you what it is, but I would like to do it just for the research and data of everybody to learn more. But when you said you're like, do you, you know, do you understand the implications of when you do genetic testing of anything, what you learn, it's, you know, it's probably just like a diagnosis. Like when you're diagnosed, like you don't think it's going to hit you that hard and then it actually happens. So having a genetic counselor, I think is really, really key if anybody is looking into doing this. Absolutely. Yeah, that is key. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it was just a pleasure talking to you as always, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking or texting later. So keep inspiring. Yes. Yes. And, you know, st you can continue to even start growing your own community down there, which I'm sure you will have no problem doing. Mm -hmm. But thank you again for coming. In our last 30 seconds, I just want to wrap it up and leave everybody with this. Parkinson's can affect so many individuals, whether you're carrying a gene or you're not. And it's just uh, you have symptoms because of the environment around you or we just don't know why yet we have it. But, you know, keeping track of your different symptoms, being open with your family and your friends and talking about things, finding a community, exercising, eating right. And if you do get tested for genetics, genetic testing, make sure that you consult somebody who can help you with, uh, with that whole process. So at the end of the day, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you guys all next time. Thanks for tuning in. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is produced by Melissa Carlson and Steve Brandenburg. To contact us, email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast. You are encouraged to consult a physician for a definitive diagnosis.